Hello, I'm David Oakes, and welcome to a special Christmas trees crowd. This is a podcast for those of you who, like me, think our natural world is incredible, especially when under snow. From reindeers pulling sleighs to turtle doves on second days, I get to talk with people dedicated to or inspired by our natural world. It has been a truly wonderful first year for me doing this podcast. I'm excited to bring you more, much more in the new year. But right now, if you can rewind back to the episode I recorded with Astrid Goldsmith, you may recollect that I was then stateside in New York Central Park. Well, one of the reasons I was there was to head upstate to talk with the amazing underwater photographer and adventurer Joanna Lentini. We'll dive straight in and I'll let Joanna tell you a bit about herself in her own words. In the depth of the forest, an old oak grew, the pride of the greenwood there. O'er his branches, the ivy her mantle threw, when the forest boughs were bare. Oh, the oak and the ivy, oh, the oak and the ivy, oh. Anxiety is always something that I've had an issue with. And I think it really stems from the fact that, like, we're so disconnected from nature. Uh-huh. You know, there's it's like days that go by where I, you know, I just stare out at the woods and but I don't actually get out there. Sure. And I think that a lot of people suffer from that. It's a somebody um called it nature deficit disorder. You know, I feel very differently when I'm when I'm outside and everything's clear. Um no anxiety. I just feel it's where I belong. Is that because life is simpler? Yes. You just have to be, you don't have to Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, you go out with your scuba gear and your underwater photography camera and kit like that. Do you go out camping and hiding? Do you like how often do you just strip down to basics? And... Not often enough. Um... I mean, I don't think anyone does it often enough. Quite frankly, I try and get away as often as I can. Yeah. The one that one of the ways that I get around it is to try and focus on the little things. Mm-hmm. So even if I'm in a city and I'm just walking through a small city park, you can find a leaf or a particularly pretty blade of grass or something that yeah. just makes you realize that it's not just swathes of people going into a generic coffee shop yeah because that does my nut in <laughs> like even walking to get on the train today i made sure that i went through central park which even though it's an artificial man-made park it's still better than trump tower for example definitely i mean i've always been like a bit of an introvert you know i just um so peaceful out there that's why I'm drawn to it. That's why I do what I do, um, especially underwater. You know, nobody can talk to you underwater. Mm-hmm. There's just, you know, we can try, but it doesn't really work. So Joanna was enchanted as a child by the likes of Jacques Cousteau, but motivated by those that held the cameras that filmed him. Joanna was one of very few female finalists in the 52nd Wildlife Photographer of the Year Awards. She has had works exhibited worldwide, including at the 2015 Climate Change Conference in Paris. She runs the company Deep Focus Images and is the COO of the ocean education organisation Oceans in Focus. But how does a young girl growing up in the suburbs of New Jersey come to appreciate nature so strongly? From a young age, I was just really drawn to the natural world. I spent so much time outside. Uh-huh. Um, just playing, climbing trees, etc. Exactly. Um, brothers, sisters? Four brothers. Okay. Younger. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time around boys. I wanted to do what the boys were doing. And yeah, so, you know, climbing trees, hanging out in my fort, um, treehouse. Just kind of wild. Uh, it wasn't really, though, I think maybe... Until I, we started traveling. We started going to the national parks. Mm-hmm. and we, Like camping trips? or uh, Camping, hiking, yeah. 
you know, cabins, not so much camping. Sure, sure. Um, we went up north to Maine. We went out west to Yellowstone and Glacier. Okay. Driving um, all the way across to Yellowstone? Yes. How long does that take? Like three days, four days? Yeah, three days. Wow. Yeah. So we started like in Yellowstone. We went up, well, actually, I think it was Glacier. And we came down through Yellowstone and then into Utah and kind of wrapped back around. And it was an amazing time. I remember watching a documentary and it was there was satellite photography of the lakes which was show the sulfurous edges and the mm. deep blues and the almost turquoise as it gets close to the edge and it was just I don't think I'd ever seen the natural world that colorful before it's a really special place um for sure I think that trip to Yellowstone and to Glacier is really kind of it's what defined me I think um you know up until that point um I had always been in awe of like the outdoors mm-hmm. and nature Growing up, I had across every single wall, like just plastered um, pictures of animals and landscapes. I had been collecting them for some time and piling them up. And then one afternoon, my parents were off doing some yard work or something, and I just picked up the stapler. I believe they took the door off my wall for about a week after that. Um, it was they were pretty upset, um, you know, because there was a thousand staples in the wall. But it was beautiful, and they, you know, eventually they calmed down. And um... I mean, I, I, I remember. I think I was always told that young boys were supposed to have cars or pinup models on the walls. I had like, I don't know, meerkats and some timber wolves. There was definitely a dolphin, and I had lots of cuddly toy animals. So what you're saying sounds perfectly normal and acceptable, and I think your parents are being thoroughly unreasonable. Yeah, I mean, I think they got over it pretty quickly, but um, they, those staples did remain in the walls for some years, um, so I feel bad about that. But um, So what happens? What's, what, what's the first step between animals and wolves and trips to national parks? So I first went to in the Great Barrier Reef, a oh. little island called Lizard Island. Um, had just got engaged. It was my 30th birthday. It was something that I had always wanted to do from the time I was a kid. And so I think, you know, that was a nice surprise to... I I wasn't aware of that part of the trip. We Mm -hmm. went to Australia. We were living in Singapore. And, um, yeah, so my first dive was in the Great Barrier Reef. And, you know, I didn't want to see a shark. I was terrified of sharks back back then. Mm -hmm. Um, Quite a different story now. But, yeah, I think it was, you know, five minutes into the dive. It was just my uh, partner and the dive guide and... I saw a little white tip mm-hmm. and you know at the time I was just like oh it was a big shark to me and and then I think um within a few moments I realized that it wanted nothing to do with us uh, and in fact it swam away and it just blew my mind I couldn't understand why it wasn't coming towards us sure. and so yeah I mean little by little I just try to face all the fears that I have you know it's it's good to push yourself I think um it's important um, I've had so many different fears. You know, I had a terrible fear of lightning as a kid, um, as, as an adult. And then I moved to Singapore, and it's like one of the most lightning-struck places on Earth. Sure. And I had to get over that fear very quickly <laughs> because, you know, I was just, it was every day. It was a daily thing. And, um, yeah, I think it's really important to grow. Yeah. Um, I just do things that terrify me, and I think I'm better because of it. That's a very simple, powerful way to see one's life. I mean, it's, yeah, it's empowering, you know, it's... I first encountered you at the Wildlife Photographer of the Year exhibition with the print that you brought along today, very kindly. And it struck me at the time as the most powerful photo in the exhibition because wow. it was sort of so brutal. The starkness of the blood 
the bright red crimson blood on the snow yeah. against the blue of the water was just shocking. It was, and that shot almost never happened. It was, um, you know, and it's, it's kind of strange to see um, an image awarded in that competition that, um, you know, doesn't have any, any wildlife in it. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it was one of those things, you know, we were, we were on a ship, and um, I was at the front of the ship, and we were photographing this polar bear with the remains of, I guess, uh, a seal, mm-hmm. a ring seal, um, which is like their favorite food. And it was just, it was unpleasant to look at, but, you know, we were all shooting it anyway. And I just decided to run back and change lenses to my cabin. It wasn't too far away. You know, without thinking, I just gave up my spot. <laughs> and so I returned, um, kind of just got off to the, I think it was the um, the starboard side, and um, looked up ahead and I was like, oh, <laughs> it's like I'm never going to make my way back in there. What did I do? And so I kind of just like rested my elbow on the side of the ship and was really disappointed in myself for making that error. Mm-hmm. And we were moving. We were moving straight towards the bear. I just, you know, I see this um, this scene just, it was just a murder scene. I mean, it was it was intense. And I had, I basically got off like two or three shots and that was it. Um, it was just, had gone past me. And it was a thick fog. It wasn't like something that I could go back and, you know, it was interesting. Um, and I was the only one that got it, I think. It's every time you speak to a photographer, it seems that the the photo that they captured the moment they got was the accident of what they were waiting for. Um, it was the spur of the moment. It was the bird that landed on the lion's head at that point in time. It was the it was the non shot. We spoke yeah. to a guy called Everfetters. He took a wonderful picture of these uh, wild dogs in Africa, mm. and everyone was taking the photos from the obvious place, and he went around the other side and got something even yeah. more spectacular. Yeah, I mean, I think that's important in photography. I mean, you always have to remind yourself, you know, to kind of turn around or step aside. And I really enjoy photographing people, photographing wildlife now. I've kind of gotten into that. Um, I've grown to really love this place in Mexico. Um, It's Los Islotes, Mm -hmm. and it's a permanent sea lion colony, California sea lion colony. And the interactions between the divers, free divers, scuba divers, whatever it is, and the sea lions is just amazing to me. So I've been trying to work on a project, actually, um, more recently that, that captures that. The reason I first approached Joanna for this interview was the very striking nature of her images, both in composition and in content. Sharks, polar bears, blood, etc. There was little timidity on show. As with previous Trees of Crowd alumnus photographer David Fetters, who has photographed elephants charging towards him and lionesses protecting their cubs, Joanna's photos present a bold, front-footed photographer prepared to push the envelope just that little bit further, but that was far from the quieter, more contemplative person who sat directly in front of me. People always tell me that I'm very hard to read, you know, that, you know, on the one hand, I'm this, like, total introvert, and then on the other, it's like, I'm out there, like, you know, swimming with crocodiles and orcas, and it's like, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. When did you swim with crocodiles? I did that a few years back in Cuba. Why would you swim with crocodiles? (laughs) It's just another thing, you know. It's, I mean, like, look, like, I was terrified of sharks, Uh right? And we've, we kill, like, anywhere between 75 and 100 million sharks a year. Uh You know, we've always been told that they're these monsters, and they're not. And so, perhaps we're wrong about crocodiles. Were you scared? Yeah, I was was terrified, (laughs) for sure. Um, I didn't really know that I was actually going to get into the water until I did it. Uh It's just the same thing with orcas. 
I had always said that I would never get into the water with orcas. Um, not quite sure why, just um, they're super intelligent. Yeah. And that's what scares me. Whereas like with a shark, it's like, yeah, they're, 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 not, they're not dumb animals. But yeah. with the shark, you just, you know, like what makes them tick. You know, mm-hmm. you kind of, orcas a little bit more tricky. Sure. So mm-hmm. in your encounters with orcas or with crocodiles and sharks, have you ever felt vulnerable? Uh, yeah, definitely vulnerable. Uh, not threatened. That experience with the crocodiles really opened my mind. Uh-huh. Just blew my mind wide open. How? <laughs> I mean, you get into the water with something that could easily tear you apart, you know, and um, it doesn't. And it really doesn't show you much interest. As soon as I entered the water, the crocodile came right at me. You know, I had my camera, so I had a bit of a barrier. So there, you feel a bit, a bit safe. Then within a few minutes, the crocodile had no interest in me. Sure. And I found myself following after the crocodile into the mangroves. You know, like, it just didn't make sense. Are you, are you scuba diving here? Or are you I was snorkeling. Snorkeling, okay. Yeah. I think from that point on, I really um, decided not to judge anything, you know. Sure. I mean, I, you know, I, it's, it's, it's a terrible thing, you know, that we do, um, judging others. And they've gotten a really bad rap. And I think it's... Um, it's important to, I mean, look, on the one hand, you know, you don't want to just encourage people with your photos, you know, to go off and to, you know, jump into the water with crocodiles. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously that's not safe. Advisable. <laughs> you know, we, we had, it, it was a very well organized um, outing. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we, you know, we had safety divers and sure. don't you? jump into the water with crocodiles. How did your photos turn out? Were they good? Yeah, they were great. I would love to go back and do it again. What inspired me was this, um... This French cameraman, uh, his name's Didier Noiro, and he was... Oh, Jacques Cousteau's... Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. And he went to the, um, the Akavango Delta with Nile crocodiles uh-huh. and filmed them. And so, you know, these are some of the most um, hostile croc- crocodiles that are out there. And so he got under there and he was, you know... And it was just... It just blew my mind. And I, um, I don't know that I have the courage to get into the, the Delta like he did. I did visit Botswana a few years back, and it was one of the most beautiful weeks of my life. Huh. I've never felt more alive. I've never used all of my senses every single second of the day um, for a week straight. It was just, you know, I was awake, wide awake during the night, you know, all the different noises and just terrified. My heart was racing. And then, you know, during the middle of the day, I would sleep because it was too hot to do anything else. Uh-huh. But when I left, I just cried tears were just rolling down my face uh, because I had never felt more alive you know it's really very humbling to know that there's just so many things out there that could kill you yeah and, and, and also <laughs> to just to be a part of it you know to to feel you know there's no roads in or out it's mm-hmm. all by plane it's um, little airstrips um, every day we're on foot and we were in these dugout canoes and going through these channels that you know hippos had carved out why do you keep coming back to civilization then, if you feel so alive in these places? Yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. One day I'm going to leave for good. The more I think about wildlife photography and the more wildlife photographers I'm lucky enough to meet, the more excited I become by the process taken to capture a snapshot rather than the image itself. Patience and danger, contemplation and the dynamic action of a shutter, all happening simultaneously. If you haven't been to the Wildlife Photographer of the Year exhibition, it's on at London's Natural History Museum right now, and I hope that these insights from Joanna may help you approach the displays in a whole new way. They certainly do for me. Wrapping up, however, 
I asked Joanna the usual three questions, starting with, where would she like to go for a walk if she could go for a walk anywhere in the world right now? It would either be the Akavango Delta in Botswana or the bird cliffs in Longyearbyen Svalbard. Just had the most magical experience there with some um, fox pups, Arctic foxes. Yeah, it was just uh, one of the most memorable days of my life. It was uh, lovely. You know, I just was kind of crawling around on the ground with my camera, and they just, they had accepted me, and um, it was beautiful. And so we were just several feet away from each other and just watched them, you know, they they, um, alternated. They... They went from taking naps, five-minute naps, to chasing birds, to eating scraps, to playing with each other. Sure. But yeah, it was just beautiful. It was such, it was such a wild landscape. There was no one around. Sure. Was it just you? It was me and three others. Okay. So we were all kind of spread out um, somewhere on the, on the cliffs themselves. And um, I spent most of my time down at the bottom where the foxes were. <laughs> uh, I love birds, but um, they were just precious and... You know, there's this threat of polar bears, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it wouldn't be just, a story of yours if you weren't a threat by some kind of giant predator. Yeah. I think, um, you know, feeling vulnerable and just, um, again, having to use all of your senses. You know, that's like when I feel the most alive, when I, I don't know, it's just this like, it's, it's, it's kind of unsustainable. It's unsustainable. It's um, how I said with the, um, the orcas, you know, it was, it was one of the most amazing days of my life. Um, and yet part of me kind of almost regretted it because I don't know how it's like I'm, I'm ch- constantly chasing this high this this feeling of of connecting does that make sense where I can't it, it's not sustainable it's not it's not something that I can it peaks you get these occasional peaks of adrenaline or is it catharsis do you feel that human beings don't get you oh yeah for sure it's um something I've always struggled with and do you think I mean, the person that you are, when you get to those heights, those peaks, when you're swimming with crocodiles or with orcas for the first time as they're using their huge intellect to assess whether or not you're something to play with or something to eat, is that the you that you want to be all the time? Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. But that's unsustainable. No. No, it's just, it's, it's you know, it's a constant roller coaster. It's um, all highs and lows and... Um, you know, I come back and, you know, in my office and I'm editing pictures and it's, um, I call it re-entry uh-huh. and I struggle with it very much. Um, this is a period of maybe a week, about five days, four or five days where I really just need to be left alone because, you know, I've, I've had such highs, such amazing encounters and just life-changing events. And, um, I think I need that time to reflect on it and just Reassimilate back to the... It's tough. Yeah. It's so tough. I can kind of empathise. I think a lot of actors find something similar. They spend every single show going through a whole gamut of human emotions. Mm-hmm. And they do that eight times a week. And they might do that for, for 10, 20, 20, 30 weeks at a time. And then the show just mm. is gone. And then you're expected to just go back and find another way to pay your rent and to go to the grocery stores. and Yeah. You just get back into the routine of things and it's like... I found that when I go back from the Maldives, like, I, it just feels like it was a dream. I, mm. I, there's nothing tangible anymore. I, I can't. Yeah, I mean, material things, ever, you know, ever since I started, I mean, really diving. Diving changed a lot for me. And I don't have any interest in it. 
I really don't. Um, I mean, yeah, my cameras and my lenses and you know all of my equipment, but I mean that's important. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, I mean, yeah, material things don't really interest me. Sure. At all. Because the second question we ask everyone is, should we colonize the moon? Mm-hmm. But I guess my question to you is, should we colonize the moon for you so you can go and be there on your own for a little while? Oh, there's no wildlife up there. I don't know how I would manage. That we know of? Yeah, that's true. I mean, everyone, some people have asked why I've included that question, but I, yeah. I, I think if the natural world is what was there that we haven't affected, then I think space too is in part of that. And unfortunately, we are affecting it by space debris and such. I mean, on the one hand, I think it would be great to like kind of take our focus off of all of our resources here and go off and focus our energy somewhere else, but and leave the planet alone. Um, but I also think that, you know, we just need to appreciate what's here and stop looking out there. There's so much in the ocean that's yet to be discovered. And um, I don't know. I think we need to focus on... On our planet first. Um, okay, third, third question, final question. Um, if you could bring any animal, any species, sorry, back from extinction, what would it be? Megalodon? Great. <laughs> Although I probably wouldn't go scuba diving. Uh, for those who don't know, that, that's a giant shark. Yeah. No, I don't know. Um... Wait, rhinos? Yeah, well, that's topical. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so sad. It's um, reading this book, Where the Wild Things Were, about, you know, land of vanishing predators. It's um, sad what's happening. Um, there's a book by Mark Harwardine and Douglas Adams called Last Chance to See, which I guess is the precursor to Where the Wild Things Were. I, 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 a few people I've, who listen to the podcast are going to say, why is it always so negative all the time? Uh-huh. <laughs> and you're like, it's not negative. Uh-huh. It's trying to do something positive about yeah. the world. But it, I, I think it's, it's impossible to hide the fact that we are destroying a lot of the diversity of the species on this planet. I think um, one thing that I would like to you know, throw in here is that you know, it, it is overwhelming. And I think that we all tend to kind of think that it's, you know, it's, just, it's too overwhelming that we can't make any any real um, change just individually. And I think we're very naive to think that. And I know a lot of people who realize that they can bring about change, but I think we all have the power um, with every choice that we make, whether, you know, whatever we're buying, we have the power to make the right choices. Um, You know, avoid products that have palm oil that are destroying the rainforests. Um, Every single day, you know, it's just, it's overwhelming though, I think, for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And so once we start holding companies accountable, and I think we're starting to see that quite a bit, you know, they'll start to make more responsible decisions and hopefully have less of an impact on the planet. Make it easier for people to live in more environmentally friendly existences. Definitely. Well, that sounds like a positive place to end the interview on. Um, if people want to find out more about you, where would they go? Should they go? I have two websites. Um, so the first is just my first and last name, so joannalentini.com. And then I'm on Instagram, that's joannalentini. And um, also my photography trips and workshops at defocusimages.com. Perfect. Wonderful. Thank you so much. So there you are. It's Christmas, and Joanna and I have united over the worthlessness of material things. Think of that as you unwrap your presents. However, if you must be all festive and insist upon gift-giving, what better than to give the gift of a Joanna Lentini fine art print? Pop across to treesacrowd.fm for links to all of Joanna's websites. So, that's it. 
2019 is concluded. And from me and everyone at Trees of Crowd, we would like to wish you all a very, very happy Christmas. And we shall see you all in the new year. Bye-bye. Oh, the oak and the oak.